Good morning. Good morning, planet Earth. The sun is rising from its depths. It visited the dark world. Now it goes towards the light. I'm going to drink a little coffee here. It is Saturday, <clears throat> June the 10th, 2023, Bo Blimpdock. And it's almost 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time in Scompton, Utah. I don't know what time it is where you live. Maybe you live someplace fancy. Dan, I live in San Francisco. I drink artisanal coffee. I have avocado toast. I have a pug named Billy. Good for you, San Francisco treat. But for the rest of us who live in Scompton, we feed off the fears of your deadly little pug. We feed off the fears of your avocado toast. Here in Scompton, we sing songs to the fairy dust. We sing songs to the vampires. We wait for demon harvest. So I was taking the dogs for a walk this morning, and this time of year, even though it's still technically springtime, um, it starts getting hot around here, especially in the middle of the day, and at this altitude, I think, whatever the reason is, it seems like the UVC, the ultraviolet C-band, they say it's not hitting the earth. It seems like it is, and it seems like it's pretty strong. And the UVB is strong, and the UVB, UVA, and it's all pretty strong. So I've been trying to, to walk the dogs in the morning. You know, Boomer is a pretty active dog, so I try to give him two walks. Today he got one. <laughs> Too bad, Boomer. And I give Kia, who is an older dog, um, one walk. And this time of year, it seems to work out just fine. And then there's Shaggy. And Shaggy's not on a leash. And Shaggy does what Shaggy wants to do. Shaggy's a little Hungarian pulley. He's such a little cutie. Until YouTube bans my YouTube channel, if you've ever been there, you can do take a look at Shaggy. He's a good little dog. Good little, little dog. But the problem is, he doesn't really look around his environment. He doesn't really understand that it's easy for him to get hidden in a human being's blind spot. And so this morning when I was trying to hook up Boomer's, you know, collar and equipment harness and get him ready so he can't escape because he's a wild dog. He's a good dog. But believe me, normal collars and leashes are not enough for Boomer. 
While I was hooking up Boomer, I, I stepped on one of Shaggy's paws. And it was a pretty horrible scream. I mean, this happens with this dog. This dog has a habit of getting in people's blind spots. And the scream was a howling scream of pain, which likely it was. I'm not a small, tiny little desert flower. And I had on my crappy work boots where the soles are melting away because ain't nothing built like it used to be, brother. I step on his little nubbin and it's and and I don't like it. It, it I don't want to hurt him. He's a good little dog, but it's just one of those things. He's just his situational awareness is both really good and really bad. On the one hand, he could probably tell you who's in the house at any given time. He's got really bad OCD. He's a Hungarian pulley. I suppose they're a kind of sheep dog. He wants to know where everyone is. If he doesn't know where everyone is, he gets upset. But when it comes to understanding his space, like there's space that you own, Shaggy, and there's space that I own, in a lot of ways he doesn't understand that. And, and it probably bothers the other dogs as well. He doesn't have a good sense of, of personal space. Probably because he was out on the street so long, living his exciting street life. And if you're an exciting street dog, wandering the streets as a giant fur ball with your flesh slowly closing around your choke collar, you probably are living life pretty big and you don't have to worry about people's space. You gotta worry about guns, you gotta worry about coyotes, you gotta worry about cougars, <laughs> both kinds. You gotta worry about a lot of stuff, but you don't have to worry about space. And so maybe that's why Shaggy acts the way he does. And that's fine. It, it got me thinking though, because, you know, I have a place to live. And currently, currently, I owe money for last month's rent. I haven't been able to pay yet, and I owe money for this month's rent. And I know the people I live with are good people, but, you know, these days, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have to ask yourself, what is the limit to nice or good when it comes to people? <sighs> when it comes to people, let's just put it that way. Um, I'm thankful for what I have, but the reality is, I have the situation I have, and so I'm trying to do what little I can do to help. And one of the things I can do, one of the few things I can do consistently, um, especially because of the injury I had a few months ago, is walk the dogs. This time of year, I can do it. I can wake up at 6, I can get the dogs out there, you know, give Boomer his walk, give Kia a walk, give Boomer a walk, and then come back home. Here's the deal, and this is a quote from Dr. Freckles. Living in this fallen world, you're gonna you're gonna step on some paws, Dr. Freckles. What does that mean? Well, some of the if, if you're a Christian, some of this reasoning can be found in the letters at the beginnings of the book of Revelation. 
and and I would say in other teachings of the apostles and of Christ, um, and that is if you're going to be in the world, you got to be in the world. It's circular. It's a tautology. But a lot of Christians were so afraid of being destroyed, and I mean literally destroyed. You know, burned alive, crucified, fed to tigers. These were things in first century Roman Empire that happened to Christians. So you kind of have to understand it from their perspective. There, there were really bad things happening all around the empire. Pretty much all the emperors said it's open season on Christians. And, you know, these were ghoulish times and people were ghoulish. And they might take a crocodile and throw it into a pen and say, let's, let's, let's see if the Christian can fight the crocodile. Yeah. But the fact is, Christ still admonished his apostles to go out there, to be brave. One of the reasons why we have the story of, and again, I think it's Peter, and, and the cock crowing, and him denying his relationship to Christ, you know, three times, on the day that Christ is being crucified and, um, yeah, crucified, tortured and crucified. One of, the, one of the points in this whole thing is that when you're out in the world, being yourself, and if you're a Christian, when you're out in the world being a Christian, you run the risk of being attacked. You run the risk of all kinds of things. If you're on the internet, you run the risk of being censored. You do. You run the risk of people saying, well, let's let's change the algorithm, and if it's a Christian person, let's, you know, lower their impressions or something. It's stuff that's going to happen. It is what it is. But it, but But here's the deal. Even with all that, and it is happening, and even with all the spiritual warfare that I think is happening, you still have to go out into the world. And yeah, you're going to step on some paws. When you're out there doing, the, doing your thing, when you're out there even doing what you think is implicitly the right thing, you know, I don't care what it is. It could be helping people out, you know, where you live. It could be... Um, you know, volunteering at a soup kitchen or to help the homeless. It could be helping a relative. No matter what you're doing in the world, good or bad, and I'm going to focus on the good right now, no matter what good deeds you're trying to do, the reality is you're going to step on some paws. You're not God. You're not Jesus. You don't have infinite understanding of God's plan or the path of every person. And even though... It may seem like doing good in the world should simply result in more good. It doesn't always work out that way. And sometimes people get hurt even though you're trying to help. Living in this fallen world, you're going to step on some paws. And that's just the truth of it. I wish I could say it's as simple as do a good deed, good things happen. But it's not that fucking simple, brothers and sisters. If you're going to go out there and take risks, you're going to step on some paws. You know, go out there, start a business, um, 
take one of your skills, one of your capabilities, and use it to your maximum. Train yourself up. If you want to go out there and be excellent and achieve, you're still going to step on some paws. You're going to step on some feet, maybe even people you care about, but you still should go out and take risks. Okay, making friends sucks, especially these days, especially when you're as old as me. Everything's about the internet and smart devices and apps, and for me it's like, no, I'd rather meet people in person, but no, you got to do it through meetup.com. And when you get there, everybody's staring at their, you know, quote-unquote smart device. Making friends is not easy. Making friends is not easy because you don't know who to trust. And believe me, I can speak from personal experience, especially when you use the internet as a vehicle to connect. Making friends is hard as fuck. But you still got to go out there and make friends. You still got to go out there and try to connect with people. You're going to step on some paws. Falling in love is insane. I mean, I don't think I'll ever do it again. But falling in love is crazy. People fall in love. Men and women, women and women, men and men. Any combination you can think of, I guess, as long as it's adults and as long as it's voluntary and as long as you're not related, frankly, it's none of my business. But falling in love is scary. People fall in love every day. That doesn't mean it's not scary. But just because falling in love is scary, just because you never know who you're going to hook up with, just because there's a chance you could get crabs, you know, just because there's a lot of things that can go wrong if you go down that romantic love road, you should still go out there. You should still do it. Don't give up on it, but you're going to step on some paws. I'm going to tell you something about America, and, and you need to understand this. I, it does, it's not the way it has to be. I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm not even necessarily talking about your friends. I'm kind of talking about this culture that exists within the currently constructed Death Star called the United States of America. This country is scared, of, is, is scared to death that people be who they are. And I'm not talking about various subgroups protesting. You don't, you won't let me be who, who I am. No. All of these groups are co-opted. All of them fit into the color chart. Even the ones tossing gasoline at you and tossing poop at you and maybe you think they're setting fires, they're in the color chart too. I'm talking about people, real people, who simply don't fit. They don't fit into a box. They don't fit into a subgroup. They're not Republicans or Democrats. They don't fit. And the reality is America doesn't like people like that. They can deal with communists because, hell, they run the communists. They can deal with every edgy group. They can put down the rubber cones and watch people do the protest hokey pokey. Like I said, bros and hoes, it ain't real till you see triple stand anchored concertina wire. That's razor wire. Rubber cones don't count, shithead. Yeah. This country doesn't want you to be yourself. It doesn't. It hasn't for a long time, maybe since the beginning. 
In fact, as I've stated, they made sure they had an army. <laughs> Along with your rights, we're going to have an army. Oh, yeah, to protect your rights. No, to round up Native Americans. But they, they never said that in the Constitution. They said that drinking afterwards. What about the War of 1812, Dan? I don't know. That seems like a foreign entanglement war. We'll just leave it at that. Needless to say, just because America doesn't want you to be yourself doesn't mean you shouldn't be yourself. You should. Okay? I'm not talking about being some shitbird and going out there and harming people. That's not what I'm getting at. So if you're a sociopath or a serial killer and you think I'm giving you permission, I'm not. I'm talking about being eccentric. I'm talking about people who don't see the world the way that pretty much everybody sees it now. During the COVID, it was like, the COVID's really bad or the COVID's not so bad. But if you actually came out and said the COVID's 100% bullshit, um, that, that pissed people. Nobody wanted to hear that. Everybody wanted to hear either it was bad or not so bad. But that it didn't exist was something that was a real problem. This country doesn't like people being individuals. They love it if they can put you into a group because by putting you into a group, and this is going to sound counterintuitive, but by putting you into a group, they can divide you. It's way easier for them to divide you. If they can put you into some fucking subgroup, gay, trans, straight, cisgendered, black, white, Chinese, if they can put you into a subgroup, BLM, Antifa, Republican or Democrat, they can keep you divided on absolutely, absurdly irrelevant, pole vaulting over nat shit crap. But here's the deal. Even though you got the crazy, even though you got the, the propaganda and the psyops, even though you got people staring at you and screaming at you to either put on the coffee filter or not put on the coffee filter, be yourself. You're going to step on some paws, especially these days. You're going to piss everybody off because, well, almost everybody wants to be part of some subgroup. Be yourself. Be an individual. Don't be a joiner. That doesn't make you very special. That makes you like every other fucking shithead. Yeah. But you're going to step on paws. You will. And to end where we began, here's the deal. Big dogs, um, a lot of little dogs, they need exercise. And, it's, and it's, this might be a hot summer where you live. So this is just my perspective. See if you can't get the walks done early. The dogs will be happier for it. You'll be happier for it. Yeah, you know, maybe some of your neighbors end up waking up at 6 a.m. But you know what? They might be happier for it too. They can get some stuff done in the yard, you know? But the bottom line is, if you're going to live in this world and try to be who you are and to exist as a real, independent human being the way that I think God wants you to live, you're going to step on pause. 
You're going to shake things up. You're going to rub people the wrong way. You're going to piss people off, and that's okay. It's okay to get angry and then to calm down. It's okay to get into fights and then to make peace. It's okay to not understand, but then to take time to ask questions and then understand. It's okay that there are rough edges, brothers and sisters. The earth is not supposed to be a giant Nerf ball where everything's soft and cuddly and nobody ever gets hurt. Guess what, brothers and sisters? Sometimes you mangle your left arm because all you want is a fucking bag of potato chips. All you wanted was a fucking bag of potato chips, and guess what? Your paw got stepped on. Your, your humerus got broken, too. Did you learn your fucking lesson? Next time, ask for a ride. Next topic, yay, next topic. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Everyone is dead. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to spend time on this one. There was this dude on this social media thingy that was talking about family trees and shit and researching history and... I've known people into it. I, I have people I care about who are into it, and I respect that. I just don't give a shit. I, I, on one level, I do. Like, for example, I'm pretty certain, pretty certain, my paternal grandfather smuggled whiskey during Prohibition from Canada down to the United States in the Puget Sound, and that our old family beach cabin was really the drop-off point in the 1920s. I'm I, I believe that's the case. It explains a lot. Can I prove it? No. But I believe that that particular piece of land on that Native American reservation, um, the Swinomish Reservation, was used as a drop-off point for smuggling whiskey. Um, you know, I am told my grandfather was involved in, you know, <laughs> involved in alcohol back then when it was illegal. So, yeah, who knows? Who knows? He could have been the Al Capone of Seattle. Oh, or at least he might have known him. They might have been friends. Him and Ivar. The Salmon King. The Fish Dick Man. Ivar and my paternal grandfather. They ran Seattle. They ran, they ran the Swedes. They ran the Irish people. They ran... All the good people out of town because they are so crazy. Yeah. I don't know, though. Everyone is going to die eventually. The stuff of this world is not as important as we think it is. I think there are some things that are that are important, but what we find, what we discover is in the things that are important, we discover Christ, in my opinion. That's where we find God, in the things that are valuable. But a lot of stuff is great, and it makes life more pleasurable, but it's not really that relevant long-term. That, too, will turn to dust. It will all turn to dust. And in the end, everyone is dead. So it's okay if you want to research your great-grandpapa who invented the Sclumbo Pipe. He was a plumber, 
and he was a singer, and he was a, a poet, and he was a soldier. And he traveled the Atlantic in search of the old pirate kings. And he went to Bermuda and hooked up with old Crazy Larry. And they went out on the open sea and fired their magical guns. They squared off against the British Navy. But everyone is dead. So I just wanted to say something positive, and I think, feel like that's really positive. If you stand on a high enough point, a high enough point on a hill, or a mountain peak, you can hear the whining of the world you can hear the screaming and the murmuring, the clock ticking down, the air leaving the balloon. If you can find yourself on top of a mountain, you might sense the coming whimper. No bang, no excitement, no fanfare, just a pile of flesh mungus. The last humans left alive, screaming for mercy and death in the year 2103. Someone free me from this hell. Then pathetic silence as the radioisotope batteries give out on the junctus module and the crumuli flesh is flushed into the main digester tank and it's over, last human dead. Maybe it's different. Perhaps the last human is a strongaloid humunculus comprising all races and sexes and skin tones and eye colors. It slunks through the empty streets, licking squib paste from the rotting street game. It mutters a name repeatedly, Tony, 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 my name was Tony, my name was Tony. It chants in subdued breath, as if afraid to wake the star demons that brought us to this fate. A perfect person in every sense. Filled with tumors and purple bile, yellow teeth and ears sealed over with scar tissue. How you like them apples? That's the last man, right? It could happen like this. In the year 3344, a generation ship sent from Earth hundreds of years earlier, powered by a hybrid, hybrid fusion antimatter zero-point drive, reaches Terra 244, a Goldilocks zone world 18 light years away, a world with triple state water and ski resorts and an old style scotch whiskey. The humans leave the ship for the ground after waking up and set up camp, but they hear a rustle from the woods, cave monkeys. The cave monkeys ruled this world and fed on dead bodies and abandoned space orphans. Cave monkeys attacked the human encampment and left honorary piles of stool where each tent was set up. This is how the world ends. The last human being pooped from a cave monkey.
sure. drink a little coffee here, you know, if that's okay. Jinkian homongers sell the skeebs of Region 3 and hunt teleflesh down in the swamps of South Scompton. They sing songs of bewildered dust babies as they feed upon the marrow of this sterile land. And the turnip-head musket men call forth Doog the gypsy cat to set it right but he does not hear them. Tilapia dancers from Juarez process corn pills for the Duke. They can't stop working until their quota is met, for the island wanderers would show no mercy, and the Greek pond joggers take time at the checkout stand. You could hire a man to clean the bathroom and to get that yellow filth off the base of the toilet. But that man is gone. Robot gardeners set fire to the church. And the last man, the last person, swapped stories with St. Peter at the mission. Kevin sent his family to Nebraska for the Sun Festival. That year the sun turned on 30 days, for 30 days that year. And for those days one could wander to the surface and enjoy the bursts of gamma rays and UVCs and solar wind particles tearing the flesh wobblies from the skin and heart and mind. Taglon freaks gather black mushrooms from near the cooling towers. And the waste pool is open for swimmers and divers and dreamers daily. No one considers the voice of their children, for they fall to the ground like scabs chipped away by a pocket knife. Yes, like scabs chipped away by a pocket knife after a long night of drinking Everclear. Blue men struggle in the great wheel. As time grinds them down and leaves their hearts sideways and bent, they know the great crimes of the Trib Passage and suffer no fool regarding that truth. The hospitals are filled with waxy pink flesh, seeking, seeking some kind of balance, but the blue man controls the power station and the radio and the auto shop. Every part store is under their care. Every library is forgotten. And his hazel fury sets fire to all. Goofing on the dynamite store, the eight-year-old boys toss nitric acid at the old fools and hobos 
and the last person smokes a cigarette made of asbestos and graphene and tosses his junk in the groove pile. Is this how it ends? We counted the last flowers to bloom and fed the whales to the crushers. When the squirrels went into revolt, we implanted the raccoons with chips and lasers to take them damn squirrels out. Our eyes are held open by toothpicks and copper teardrops. Our mouths are PVC now, hooked to the central swill tank where babies are tossed in just after birth. We watch reruns of Seinfeld show. show. <laughs> we watch the reruns of the Seinfeld show as the bile pumps remove our waste and the flesh dries around our bones. The last person left alive makes a command request to its Unix console. Root, permission, pseudo root, rm, dash rf, dash no preserve root. The lights flicker. The lights flicker in Lab Juliet 666, and the various vats and tanks start draining into the long dead ocean. His name was Krogon, the Snorgmaster, and he felt his body crushed and pulverized as the wheel spit him out into the waste pond, and the lamprey sharks fed upon his flesh. He was the last man. Shistra, the whore queen, ruled the earth until 4566, Bo Blimpdock. When the Wookiee Rebellion, when the Wookiee, when the Wookiee Rebellion broke through on the Humpton Front near Fresno. Her lesbian submarine navy controlled much of the Pacific, but Carl the Treslor had the last laugh. He introduced a nanite technology into the main plasma vault, and all the old ships were set to sink by the next moon. Droglon, the Gervis herder, was the last dude on watch that day. He saw the Highland folk burn. He saw the cloud realm turn to fire. He saw his hooker wife become salt, and his family reduced to seal milk. He'd leave soon, too. He'd be sad for a few minutes and then whimper, and then nothing. So it goes. Am I right? Churg stopped the chant and rounded up the Trug jockeys. These were the strong servers and the bed scum. They made their homes in the walls of the old city where the rats lived off of decaying, dead, and aborted babies. People would just have babies and toss them into holes in the wall. They'd hear this all day long in the last pod complex. Sick folk, weighing 400 pounds on average, would waddle to the edge of the balcony to piss and poop and pray for some demon to emerge from the muck swamps below to destroy fate and remove this cast of lost grumble flesh. 
Churg lit a match to the methane pipes and saw the building's windows blow out as the fatties were ejected from great height out the floor-to-ceiling windows in their pod space. And a shower of plumps could be seen by the last man before he lit his own fart and blew away. And below the heavens were ashes. And beyond the horizon was tomorrow. And the last man, the last human person, stood there staring at it. Imagining what could have been and knowing what did. Next topic. Next topic, Scrambo Freaks. Oh boy, is this a quote from Dr. Freckles? And it's and if you go to the notes, there's a link to a podcast that I posted on Spotify in June of 2022, but I originally posted the SoundCloud on the 10th of January 2020. And the title of the podcast, Little Saigon Report from January 2020, almost pre-Boblimpdoc, the title is Popping Smoke. So, here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Intermittent truth-telling works for the state the way reactive armor works for the tank, Dr. Freckles. Well, what does that mean, Dr. Freckles? What's a tank? What's reactive armor? What's intermittent truth-telling? Well, a tank is an armored vehicle. It's a, it's a heavily armored vehicle designed for tank-on-tank -tank combat. So a Bradley fighting vehicle, for example, is not technically a tank. Okay, just get that out of the way. Um, reactive armor is an explosive armor designed to deal with advanced, mun advanced munitions. Um, it can't deal with all of them. You know, Sabo rounds made of depleted uranium, they actually do pretty okay against reactive armor. But a lot of things like heat, you know, high-energy anti-tank, kind of like a, a super plasma jet that, you know, shoots into the tank once it impacts the tank with an explosive gas. Um, reactive armor works well with that. It works well with a lot of different types of uh, shoulder-fired rockets. So the point is, reactive armor is explosive. You could even say, well, doesn't that damage the tank? Well, yes and no. This, is, this armor is designed to explode. When they get back to the motor pool, when they get back to depot, they'll have to remove a few slabs and put a few new slabs on. So yes, in a way it does damage the tank, but in reality, it protects the tank. Back in January 2020, I, I, I told people many things because I'd pulled the trigger in late 2019. I said, this is the great discontinuity which these days I mostly call Boblimpdoc because frankly it's less boring and it doesn't make people think too hard about stuff that might be painful. Yeah. So in a sense I pulled the trigger on Boblimpdoc in late 2019. And it wasn't about, you know, event 201 bullshit. I don't want to go down your different COVID nightmares. That's your own psyop bullshit to flush from your head. In January 2020, I said one of the things the powers that be will do during this period of time, 
because of what I think is coming. And at the time, I'd only barely formed an idea of what was coming. By April of 2020, after the monkey herpes showed up, the COVID, the monkey herpes, I'd more or less formed a view of what was, what was going on. But in January 2020, it was through a glass darkly. And one of the things I promoted is that you're going to see a lot of truth-telling. You've already seen a lot of it in the last decade, and you're going to see more. You're going to see a lot of people dropping truth bombs. You're going to see a lot of things that will make you angry and confused, and you'll demand justice, and that's the purpose. Like a smoke bomb, the powers that be will use the truth to keep you under control. And, and, and this is why when you think about things like Trump being arrested or Hunter Biden or any of the crap related to the Ukraine, understand that even if they're telling you the truth, the purpose behind telling the truth is not to empower you or, or to say, oh, look, the good guys are winning. No, the purpose is to keep you in a persistent state of frustration and anger and confusion. That's why. Nothing's going to get resolved. The Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton traveling roadshow of bullshit has been on the road for almost 40 fucking years. It goes back to when he was a fucking governor. They have had nothing but bimbo eruptions and scandals and bad connections and cocaine warlords and weird flights in and out of Arkansas. <laughs> you know, those were the days, weren't they, back then with the Contras? The CIA moving cocaine. Oh, hey, Bill. If we can, you know, fly cocaine in and out of Arkansas, what do you think about being president? Yeah, the, the Clinton traveling roadshow of anal, uptight, sideways, scumbag, ridiculous, absurd, criminal bullshit has been on the road for almost four decades. Guess what? Other than random people around them dying, nothing happens to them. So why the fuck do people think anything's going to happen to any of these bozos? To include Donald Trump, whomever, whatever he is. And guess what's another thing that pisses people off? It, it doesn't piss people off to say Epstein killed himself or Epstein committed suicide. That doesn't, you know, piss people off. It doesn't piss people off to say Epstein was murdered. What really pisses people off and what may be closer to the fucking truth is Epstein's still fucking alive. That motherfucker probably had 10,000 lawyers around the world set up as dead man switches. And those lawyers were asked to hire random lawyers, okay? So no, I don't think I don't think Epstein is dead, but by the way, that's the one position with respect to the Overton window that you're not allowed to have. That's something that is going to step on some pause that Epstein's perfectly alive and well. Anywho. This intermittent truth-telling acts like explosive armor. It makes it seem as if the state is damaged. You know, it's, it's a lot like Julian Assange. I don't know how real any of the shit around that guy is. I don't. I have no fucking idea. Uh, to my view, when the government really fears you, they disappear you. They don't promote you. They don't sheep dip you. They don't fire you from Fox News so that now people who didn't even know who the fuck you are know who you are now. You just disappear, and usually nobody ever fucking knows. 
In fact, if you went to the School of the Americas at Fort Benning, Georgia back in the 80s, I don't think one person would have said, well, before you kill the great rebel, make sure he has his own newspaper. Make sure he has... No. Take the rebel before anybody knows about him, along with his three or four sisters and cousins who are nuns. Take him to the swamp and kill them. That's what happened. That's what happens. Get over it. If you know about Tucker Carlson, it's because they want you to know. If you know about Alex Jones, they want you to know. If it looks like they're being attacked, well, guess what? That's called sheep dipping. And that's happening a lot right now, by the way. No, this truth-telling, there's a lot of it. And I think a lot of truth is coming out. And guess what? It's a lot of sideways bullshit that doesn't matter. A lot like a chunk of reactive armor. Sad it's gone. Go back to the motor pool. Replace it. It's Pez dispenser bullshit. The real truth that would cut to the heart of everything in terms of how it works right now, you're probably never going to know for sure. Like the, the real rebel, it gets disappeared. It gets tossed in the swamp. It doesn't get a radio station. It doesn't get a deal on Spotify. It just gets killed. That's what happens. Intermittent truth-telling works for the state the way reactive armor works for the tank. Dr. Freckles, think on it. Think on it the next time you hear some earth-shattering story about Donald Trump or about Joseph, you know, the President Biden or about Hunter Biden. Did you hear about his laptop? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Get over it. Get over it. The sooner you get over that shit, the sooner you can ask the right questions. You're not asking the right fucking questions. They are dumping garbage on your head. Why don't you ask why? Next topic. Next topic, Scrombos. Here is what I believe is true. They, whoever, whomever they are, are lying. They are lying about the nature of space. They are lying about the climate on all sides to include your favorite oil corporation. They're not going to tell you the truth. They don't care if you die. None of these people you're obsessed with are probably even the people pulling the strings. The people you think hate you are probably living it up with martini madness at Club Reset in the Antarctic safe zone. They don't give a fuck about you. They're watching you on HDTV. They saw you walk out of your condo in San Fran this morning and step in some human poop, and it made them happy. They don't care if you die. They want you scared of drag queens and black clad freaks and Putin and Trump. They just want you scared of Biden and, and his crazy head. They want you confused about the world. They pixelated your dollar store pleasure palace and left Alice the Hornet skid looking for a whoop sauce and cranberry junk. They rubbed one out to Old Smooty as your family ate sand maggots and fed on upholstery stew. Carter sent his corn cob your way and your mama gave it love.
They leave your heart broken and filled with trouble. Promises of vengeance and glory and greatness. But what you have is the Cheeto Bandito staring down the glassy Fox strugglers, combing the beach for bits of Fukushima reactor and dockside poetry is read to the fettlefish. They buy the world for a pittance and hand you the door grangler expecting pus to fulfill your meat wishes. They sell burgers to the fancy flingers and other boomer finks out there cruising in their easy rider electric scooters looking for the village's entrance but getting stuck and eaten by gators instead. They said they'd call, they'd call them. They'd call they said they'd call. They. Crazy. They are crazy people. Next topic. Stay away from them is all I'm going to tell you. And here is a related story about them. This is coming from the New York Post as of June the 7th, 2023. It is written by, again, one of these names, Snegjana Farbarov. <laughs> okay, your your parents are pissed off at you. Headline, mom, daughter, allegedly butchered grandma with chainsaw, grilled her body parts. A twisted Maryland mom and daughter are charged with dismembering the family's matriarch with a chainsaw, then grilling the body parts to get rid of them, following a fight about a credit card, cops said. Margaret Craig, 71, had been dead for more than a week when police made the grisly discovery Friday at the Kins Hill Road home in Landover during a welfare check. When the officers entered the basement, they immediately smelled the odor of decomposition, the Prince George's County Police Department said in a statement. A preliminary investigation conducted by homicide detectives has determined that Margaret's daughter, 44-year-old Candace Craig, allegedly killed her mother on May the 23rd. The following day, her 19-year-old daughter, Salia Hardy, allegedly helped Craig dispose of her grandmother's body. According to the police, Craig answered the door and allowed cops to look for the older woman. In the basement, they observed blood and tissue on the floor near three white plastic trash bags, according to charging documents obtained by the news outlet WJLA. The cops said they found what appeared to be brain matter inside one of the bags and noticed a knife on the floor, which later vanished. Additional cutting instruments, the cover of a chainsaw, cleaning materials, and blood spatter were observed throughout the cellar, reeking of putrefaction. When interviewed by detectives, Hardy allegedly told them that her grandmother had accused her mother of credit card fraud and threatened to turn her into the police, reported the news channel WTOP. The two women began arguing, with the dispute escalating to a physical attack that resulted in Margaret's death, according to the records, which do not indicate how the woman was killed. The next day, Hardy discovered her grandmother's body stuffed inside a blue plastic container in her bedroom and allegedly helped her mother get rid of it. After that, Candace Craig and her daughter dismembered the body. I believe using a chainsaw, 
and then attempt to dispose of the parts of the body using a grill, using a fire on the grill and a bonfire, said Assistant State's Attorney Jessica Garth. By the time the police arrived ten days later, the rotting remains had been mutilated beyond recognition, but prosecutors said they are confident that DNA testing will confirm that the body parts found at the crime scene belong to the grandmother. To say it's disturbing is an understatement, said Prince George's County State's Attorney Aisha Braveboy. It's horrifying. A little over two years before the carnage, Candace posted a sweet Mother's Day message on her Facebook page, gushing that her mom was the number one woman in my life. I hope you have an awesome and peaceful day, she wrote on May 9th, 2021, Bo Blimpdock. I don't get to say this every day, but I love you very much to the moon and back. Wow. Hardy chimed in, writing in a comment, Happy Mother's Day, Grandma and Mommy followed by three heart emojis. Candace has been charged with first and second degree murder. Her daughter is facing a count of accessory after the fact. The mom is due in court for a preliminary hearing on July the 3rd. Both she and Hardy are being held without bond. Oh boy. Dan, was that your happy story for the day? Well, you know what? It, it kind of fits in a way. It sort of fits. Um, I try often to either find or discover a theme that connects the topics in one of my podcasts. And they're all, there's not always a theme, not always a connection. But in a weird way, this is one of those podcasts where I'd have to say it's up to you. I think there is a theme. I think I just sort of figured it out myself, and it is this story of where the human race is going. And if you want to, and you're a Christian for a moment, just see it from the perspective of an atheist or someone who sees it from a secular or scientific perspective, you could ask yourself, in terms of natural history, where is the human race going? There are transhumanists who will tell you, well, Dan... We're all going to be half silicon in the year 2050. We'll have a, a chip in our butt and a chip in our brain and a chip in our ears. There'll be chips in your balls. There'll be multiple chips in your penis. And all these chips will be networked into a supercomputer chip. And you'll have super chip powers. And you'll eat chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> and you'll have a kid named Chip. Yeah. The transhumanists will tell you all kinds of things. I've, I, I've met a few. I've met a few. And here's what I'll tell you about every transhumanist you ever meet. They will die one day. Not, not, I don't know how. This isn't a threat. It's a simple reality that everybody will die one day. And even the transhumanists who claim, I'll live forever. I'm, my name is, you know... <laughs> I don't even like beating up on this guy. Ray Kurzweil. My name is Ray Kurzweil, and I am a genius. Ray Kurzweil is a genius. I don't know if he's still alive, 
given all the shit he said over the years and the reputations it's connected to, I have no doubt that like with the death of L. Ron Hubbard, it will be handled quietly. But if he's still alive, Ray Kurzweil has said for years that if you can live till the, till the 2040s, you'll live forever. And I don't know if he still believes that. You know, like my old friend Dave used to say, I reserve the right to contradict myself. And I think, yeah, maybe good old Ray is backing out on his perspective. Who knows? Maybe he's going to church now. But there are a lot of transhumanists you'll run into, and they'll say the future of the human race is to merge with the machine and to be an integrated bio-machine self and to achieve total silicon consciousness and to have total understanding of every fragment of every poop you have and to be so good at controlling the world that you can control the shape of your poop, that you can modify your intestines and your sphincter in such a way that you can produce cubes and diamond-shaped poops and little pyramid poops, and maybe even little flat poops with happy faces on them. Yeah, maybe that's not going to happen, though. There are a lot of people who think it's just going to stay like this. Dan, it's a simulation. It's a broken reality. It's always going to be lame. Haven't you seen the movie The Matrix? There are people who tell you it's always been a shitstorm. It'll always be a shitstorm. The human beings will just keep rolling along. No problem, no issue, no hassle. Where's my cocaine? Maybe. There are people who talk, oh, it's about the generations, Dan. It's about the generations. And it's about like Strauss and and whatever that other douchebag's name is. And you know, if you understand the generation you're in, okay, okay. It's about generations. Maybe, maybe that is a sub-cycle, but is that a super cycle? Is that the big picture of all time? Or does that just explain every couple hundred years of human history? Maybe. And then you'll run into a few people like me, you know, before I get there, to include possible futures as, well, it's going to be the World Economic Foundation, Dan. They're taking over. Everybody's going to live in a pod. Everybody's going to eat pod-style pod food. Everybody's going to drink from the swill tank. You'll ingudulate yourself twice a day. You'll get to eat crow meat on Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving will be called Happy, Happy, Fun, Shiny, Eat Crow Meat Day. And then there's me and people like me who kind of say, wait a minute. All that sounds interesting, but what if it's, you know, potentially worse or in a sense harder? Like Because almost all the versions of the future I hear from people are versions where, you know, in their own way, they can just keep just sliding along in a lot of ways. Even the WEF futures, the oh Klaus Schwab, New World Order futures, people, you know, I've got a farm, Dan. There'll still be electricity. I'll trade Bitcoin with the city people living in the robot city. I'll stay away from the city. They'll never steal my soul. Yeah. I call these lesser catastrophes in a lot of ways. And I'll say this and I'll just say this straight up. I don't know if this story about this mom and daughter and grandmother is true. I don't know. I can't tell you. And I'll, and I'll even say this. If, if racism bothers you, understand that the powers that be are using racism to divide people. They are pumping stories. They are pushing narratives 
deliberately to divide people, to split people apart. Why? Because a lot of y'all folks love being members of groups. You don't want to be yourself. You're too afraid to be yourself. You're too afraid to cut against the grain. So you join a fucking group. I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I'm Antifa. I'm BLM. I join a fucking group because I have no sense of integrity at all about who I am. So I join a fucking group. Yeah, I know all you. I know, I know where you're coming from. I get it. This story could be bullshit. This story could be true. But I got to tell you, folks, it says a lot about, in my opinion, the state of humanity, whether it's true or false. If it's false, it tells you where the buttons are. The, you know, the buttons you can push on people, the switches. It tells you a lot about trauma-based mind control. If this story is true, then yeah, it's horrible. And I got to tell you, I doubt it's the only one. I doubt it's the only case like this. I think probably there are a lot of people losing it right now. If I'm right, and for some reason the powers that be have been implementing strategic, high-intensity, military psychological warfare since at least March of 2020, then yeah, right about now, you'd expect people to start going fucking crazy. You'd expect, you know, suicides, you expect drug, drug overdoses, You'd expect a lot of horrible things to include people just going batshit crazy. That is the end state of population-wide trauma-based mind control. That is where you end up. It's also why I don't think the story has a happy fucking ending. I don't think they're going to be building pyramids on Mars with six or seven or eight billion crazy motherfuckers. I don't think any of that shit's going to happen. I don't think you're going to have a half-silicon body in 2050. I don't know for certain what's going to happen in the future, but I'm pretty certain that's not going to happen. Next topic, because I really do want to keep this as close to an hour as possible. Uh, we'll see. So this is actually not directed at my listeners, and I know sometimes I just I say mean things, and I'm sorry... You kind of have to pretend I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to that dude behind you. Spiders. Okay? I get that you're out there to help me. I get it. You're gathering up dead insects. You're killing flies. You're building traps for mosquitoes. I mean this from my heart. God bless you, spider race. But here's some things you have to know about me. You really need to know if you want to live, spider. I don't want to see you. I don't want to see you do your shit. If you're going to, like, take some struggling insect and wrap it up in some type of crapola and then stick your teeth in it and suck out its grumbo juice, I don't want to see the smile on your fucking face while you're doing it, Mr. Spider. That'll get you killed. Don't have too many babies. Don't have too many babies. If you, Miss Spider Woman, has too many babies, I'll regret not killing you. Don't have too many babies. If I see your little spider babies running, running all over the place, 
Maybe some of them will live. Maybe you somehow died giving birth to them. But the next spider mama that comes along, she's going to live in your shadow. Don't have too many babies. Do your private shit in private. And finally, Mr. Spider, stop with that karate pose you do when I'm sitting on the pooper. Unless you intend to do something about it, just calm the fuck down with your Bruce Lee fucking moves. Okay? Unless you're venomous, unless you're like a brown recluse or a black widow, you're not fooling anybody, Mr. Spider, with all your Mr. Miyagi fucking bullshit, so calm the fuck down. I'm just taking a poop, Mr. Spider. If you listen to this podcast and you enjoy it, great. You made it this far, right? You can donate to it. There's a link to PayPal in the notes. There's a link um, on the blog. You can click on the PayPal link and you can donate. But let me just say the following. Make sure you take care of your food, your water, your shelter. Make sure you take care of people in your life that need help first. If you're setting aside some food for yourself and your family, please remember your pets. Okay? If you're going to set aside six months of food for you and your family, set aside six months for your pets. Okay, I'm just going to say it straight up. Especially if they're dogs. I have a special place in my heart for dogs. But dogs and cats could end up saving your life in a situation where other things cannot be trusted. That dog and that cat joined us as superheroes a long time ago for reasons. The cat because of the city. The dog because of the barbecue. Bottom line is we they joined forces to keep our shit straight. To watch over the homestead. To keep the insects and rats away. So if you think about setting food aside for your family, please think, think about your pets. Um, and try to find some happiness and joy. I've been trying to emphasize this lately because I think we're in a very strange time. And when it comes to tipping points, when it comes to strange attractors and butterflies that flap their wings in Tokyo and determine whether or not it's going to rain in Central Park, New York City, when it comes to that type of chaotic type event, um, I can't tell you, you know, what the last snowflake is that causes the avalanche. I don't think anybody could tell you. I think God could tell you. But it does feel like what we want to call quasi-normality, what is left of the normal post-2020 is, is about to go away. That being said, life's always been like that. Life has always been fucking crazy. Life is just fucking crazy, and it's no reason not to try to be happy. So try to find some joy. Go out there this weekend and try to find some happiness and some joy. And if you can do that with other people and, and you're a Christian and you're doing that with other Christians, then that's called a fellowship offering. You're, you're doing something real good. The Lord in heaven smiles when people hang out together and don't hurt each other. Did you know that? Why do you think he turned water into wine, Scro? Jesus likes a good party. For Saturday, June the 10th, 2023, Bo Blimp Doc, it's almost 9 a.m. 
Mountain Standard Time here in Scompton, Utah. I don't know what time it is where you are, but the question is, can you hear the scream? Can you hear the yelling? Can you hear the howling of the last man left alive in a metal box in the year 6102? The last human is in a freezer box. They have semi-awareness. They're fed a grumbo paste. They poop six times a day. A robot cleans their butt if they can find the butt. And the human's simply saying, please let me go. I was born a thousand years ago in the time of the Sklumptics, let me go. I saw 18 wars between the Brimulac folk and the Frogian. I saw the cities, cities burn, let me go. I saw my 12 cyborg families murdered at the Battle of Bajumpulus, let me go. I saw the water drain from the lakes and the oceans, please let me go. Have a great Saturday, a great weekend, and let me go.